Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks Podcast. I am your host Ben Kreider and today I'm going to be talking about Sfima Hailuk and if the Thunder made a mistake on passing on him. And then I'm also going to be talking about Gabrielle Deck and some new reports coming his way. And with that, I'm going to give you guys another roster projection. But before I get into those stories, I want to let you guys know about DraftKings Sportsbook. Football is right around the corner. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL. And with the NFL returning, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when you bet $1 or more on any football game. Listen up because you do not want to miss this. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 or more on any week one game to receive $200 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. And for week one, DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at $1 million as their top prize. Nothing adds the excitement of watching the game quite like having a free shot of $1 million. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. And that gets you a shot at a million dollars as the top prize with your first deposit. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. A minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. But guys... We are back. There is a little bit of a new setup going on again. I told you I've kind of been playing like a game of musical chairs in terms of finding a good setup spot here. I got my mic from my old spot back. It is a blue snowball. If y'all were wondering, it's actually really good. It's only like $60. But anyways, there are a couple stories kind of back in circulation. And this is a really weird period in terms of NBA offseason, because we just got done with the summer league. We got done with the draft, obviously. It's kind of what kicks it off. Free agency, is it still going on? Yes, um, but for the most part, like all the deals have been made. For example, the Thunder, it looks like they only have one roster spot remaining right now, and you still have a month until you start looking into potentially going into training camp, but there can still be moves. There can be signings. There can be training camp offers. Things can happen, but... For the most part, you're really not going to get this bang-bang news like what we've had in the past couple of months in terms of off-season. So if there's ever any questions you guys want to ask me, just make sure to tell me. Go to my Twitter, at Ben Kreider, or you guys can go to the pod's Twitter directly, at ThunderstickPod. 15-character limit. I could not go all the way with that one, but, you know, hopefully you guys are okay with that. Anyways, though, there were some new stories that circulated in the last week, and the first one comes with Sfi Mahailuk, and this is a person who we've kind of had 
an inkling of like what his future was going to look like because the Thunder they originally got his qualifying offer they picked it up it was worth two million dollars and let's just be completely honest here Seema Hailuk on a two million dollar qualifying offer is criminal really good shooter off the bench for us he averaged above 10 points a game and you can say you know he didn't play enough this or that the you know the situations were a bit funky stat padding that's ridiculous he was very damn good so a two million dollar qualifying offer was really good uh budget wise for the franchise but just three days later the thunder decided to pull the plug on that they were sending that qualifying offer and Svima Hailuk became an unrestricted free agent on August the 4th and you know whenever that happens it's pretty much writing on the wall that you are gone because you look at a guy like Josh Hall for example he had a 1.5 million dollar qualifying offer this is a two-way guy who honestly outside of the Clippers game didn't that show you all that much and you know he's this like gangly six foot nine point forward I would pay 1.5 mil just to see how things would shape up uh, they decided to do so and he's back on a two-way deal but that just kind of lets you know like whenever you decide to not pick up or exercise that qualifying offer it typically means they're gone because all the advantage you had of having them carrying with them you know into their first free agency it's gone. They're unrestricted. They can head anywhere they would like to. And Sfima Hailuk chose to do so in the last couple of days. And with this, he decided to actually return to the Eastern Conference. He'll be joining the Toronto Raptors on a two-year contract. This news first came from Shams Sharania of The Athletic. Barely beat Woj, but you know, they're going to have that feud anyways. He beat him to that and said that he got inked to a two-year contract. Now, in terms of money, like what we're going to see year one, what we're going to see year two, we do not know that yet. But what we do know is that Sfi, he can have that second year guaranteed. We saw with Tony Bradley, for example, he was on a two-year contract with the Bulls. He's going to have that first year. I think the second year is actually a team option, though. So only one year is going to be guaranteed. In the case of Sima Hailuk, both years can be guaranteed for him. Year one, we already know. All that money's going right into his bank account. As for year two, he has that option. It is a one plus one player option deal. So Sfi can either choose to stay with the Raptors or he can go back into the open market and try to get a bigger salary or, you know, just join a different organization in doing so. And with what Sham said... This is kind of to be expected. Svi had a lot of offers. He outlined that several contenders were actually looking to pick up Luke through free agency. But, you know, he chose not to go with some of those other routes. He wanted to go to the six. He is joining the Toronto Raptors. And, you know, this is an interesting move. Like, I think with him... You check out what the Raptors are doing. They just picked up Scotty Barnes. They have Fred Van Vliet. It's not a bad team. And I think when you look at what they have at the shooting guard spot, you look at Gary Trent Jr. potentially as that guy. Now with Barnes, you look at OG. How do those two work out? There's a lot of dominoes that kind of go uh, into what they did 
in the uh, offseason. But I will say, when you check what the weak point for the uh, Raptors are, it's going to come from that, you know, point guard, shooting guard position. So he can kind of slot in there, and I think he will get a decent amount of minutes and given his play he should fit right in because they do need some perimeter shooters to kind of back their defensive centric lineups that they do have going on over there but you check what my luke did played for the pistons actually longer than he did for the thunder and this was a stat that kind of surprised me because you look at the time that Svi and hami got swapped that felt like it was february or march not the actual trade deadline um, but you know what? I think he got edged in that category by like three or four games. So does it really matter? Probably not. Anyways, though, you know, that original move, Hamadou plus, or actually just Hamadou for Svi in a second rounder. Okay, C still has a remnant of that thing. You know, that deal, of course. They don't have Svi. He is with the Raptors. But, you know, they got out fine. As for Svi, you know, him joining the Thunder probably was the best thing that could have happened. Uh, in his career because when he started playing for the Lakers and it's just this I, I want to say it's a placebo because he was a beast but they always hype up some random guys like Alex Caruso for example he's gone he's he's in the Windy City he's with the Bulls but back then like you know who's selling more jerseys LeBron James or Alex Caruso uh and Svee he wasn't like that of course but when he first entered the league kind of had an impressive start to his career he might have joined in with uh lonzo actually but you know impressive summer league campaign second round pick ends up getting traded to the pistons for some actual profit in return uh and then he just you know is kind of sitting there for the detroit pistons but whenever he made that leap to the okc thunder you know he actually became one of the priorities on the team because you look at what the pistons were doing prior to Sfi being moved out. They had guys like DeLon Wright playing ahead of him. They had, you know, all these different guards that they were, you know, they're jumping through the G League. Like, Saban Lee's getting minutes. You want to try out Killian Hayes when he's not injured. So, they didn't really give him an opportunity. Um, but whenever he joined the Thunder, it was all his. They wanted him to shoot the basketball, and he did so accordingly. He shot a career-high 9.4 attempts a game in his 30 games with the Thunder, and he averaged 10.3 points, 3 rebounds, 1.8 assists, and then the big deal from distance, he ended up shooting 33.6%, shooting just below 5 tries a night, and that's what his job is, this is some heavy artillery you bring in, he's just a shooter, he can shoot from all 3 levels, and I didn't really know that prior to him joining the Thunder, and I think a lot of people did not really see that in him either. We saw him as this sharpshooter. You put him in the corner, Alex Abrines type, where, you know, the play just kind of comes to him. He doesn't really create for himself. Others create for him, and then everyone just reaps the benefits of him shooting a wide-open jump shot, and he's still proficient in the catch-and-shoot, but the big breakthrough came from what he was doing outside of just the simple, you know, catch-and-shoots, because not all of his shots were coming that way. I'd probably say the majority were not. We saw a lot of mid-range pull-ups from him. He was just hunting to go down in the baseline. He wanted to take those baseline jumpers, but also as a finisher around the basket, and he wasn't doing anything crazy dunk-wise, but... Uh, did we really know that he could dunk the basketball like he did? 
there was some funky stat where I think it was like one dunk with him. Uh, it might have been Blake Griffin, you know, with his Pistons stat, but it just got infectious through the former Pistons guys. Steve was not getting dunks prior to joining the Thunder. You know, whenever he joined the Thunder, you have transition flushes. You have him, you know, driving through two defenders to dunk it down. This was a master. You're looking at a master of the two-hand rim grazer when you look at Sfima Luke. Really good uh, in terms of that. And he really just blossomed his game. So for someone, you know, going into that contract year, you need to prove some stuff. He already solidified himself as a shooter, uh, a catch-and-shoot, spot-up shooter. But now... He's a lot more versatile uh, and kind of how you want to use him. Maybe you can even get him on some DHOs uh, and things like that. But he earned every penny. I mean, we do not know the actual, you know, money uh, going into this deal. But I'll tell you what, uh, for a two-year contract for the Raptors, this was a great pickup. And if I'm in Sfee's shoes, you have probably the Lakers, you have the Clippers. I think everyone's banging on the door, probably trying to throw all their funky little contracts out there. You know, they're operating over the luxury tax. They got to sneak some things through the cracks. And maybe Svi could have been that uh, really cheap, but did not want to do that. And I respect him for that decision. I mean, it can come down to being in a situation, maybe not the Pistons is a good example, but you can be on a championship caliber team, but you're not going to get the, you know, just amount of minutes. With the Raptors, they're not contending for a championship. They're going to be looking for maybe a playoff seed, uh, but he's going to get minutes and he's going to be a pivotal part of that bench. And when you look at what the Thunder lost here, they lost one of their best bench shooters and maybe best bench players in general we've seen in like the last five years because what has Presti just been so adamant about what has been the one trait or one or two traits that he just salivates over and it doesn't matter if you have Michael Jordan on the board if there's a three and D wing he's going to be taking him and he'll be fine with it whether or not the guy uh turns out or not I mean you look at guys like Josh Eustace you look at Andre Robertson, maybe at a different spectrum because he did really, uh, he did a great job prior to getting injured. But then like Terrence Ferguson, that's just the poster child of it. And I can't knock that pick. I think when uh, T. Ferg got selected by the Thunder, he actually looked pretty damn good in terms of the highlights. And he never really was able to quite put it together. But that's what he wanted. And every single year, we just see guys get filtered in and out of that secondary spot at the two and the three, and you really could never find any comfort. I'd say the last time there was any, Anthony Morrow was the guy that you were looking onto for buckets. So they never had that. Uh, I think Sfi, if you were to place him with the 2016 Thunder, or just any lineup really where the Thunder were in playoff contention, he would have just amplified them so much because you had to play Terrence Ferguson 25 minutes a game. You had to play Robertson out there 20, 30 minutes a game when you knew, you know, there was going to be no defense on him the entire time. So it was four on five basketball uh, whenever you start breaking out into the half court. So, you know, <laughs> Mihailuk would have helped stack the odds a little bit more in the Thunder's favor. And I think when you check currently what the Thunder have, probably better than some of these guys more refined i think now he's 24 if not pretty old a 23 year old so he's getting up there but you check what the thunder possess i think teo trey ty jerome 
they're all extremely good. I think potential-wise, you're going to prioritize those guys. I think Kenrich Williams, I might actually say I'd pick Kenny Hustle based on the defense uh, and just the all-around game. But, you know, if you're a playoff contender and you're not looking to see any margin of error, you'd probably put Svi above Teo, Trey Mann, and possibly Ty Jerome too, as I was talking about. But, you know, I can't say I'm all that upset about this move happening because, yeah, he's a great player. I think he's in a better situation in Toronto. I think if he would have remained on the Thunder for another year or two, his value would have just been ran to the ground, and he kind of just would have been where he was at with the Pistons because it was all right to play him. You didn't have SGA playing that second half of the season. You had guys who were going in and out of the injury report. Trey Mann and Josh Giddy, they just weren't even on the team, so minutes were there. I think the opportunity is gone for him. He's going to have a much better one with the Toronto Raptors, and he's going to be able to play in some pretty big games with them. So I think it's kind of mutually beneficial for both parties that this, you know, did happen. But, you know, I can kind of see the perspective. If someone does want to argue that Sfi should have stayed with the Thunder, I think, you know, when you look at it, like, money-wise, this would have been a great budget pickup, but it just would not have worked in terms of how you're looking to kind of uncork and fill in this rotation. But we got even more rotational news through Gabrielle Deck. And just like Vasily Micic, and every time I mention Deck, I gotta draw this comparison because it's true. There's always news coming from one side where it's European outlets talking about how there's murmurs of said player wanting to return to Europe or staying in Europe. And then you have this other party where it's, oh no, they're going to be going to play for the Thunder again. And for the case of Gabriel Deck, this has been a very confusing offseason for him because his contract will get guaranteed pretty soon. I believe that it is going to be actually at the end of this month. It's going to be September 20th. So time is kind of winding down. You're approaching three weeks of making a call on him. But, you know, last month, maybe two months ago, you saw chirps that FC Barcelona was interested. You had him in the Olympics. I think that's when the news kind of started uh, winding out there into the public. But then it got shut down. And... Earlier on in the week, the Thunder, their social media team, they were just showing like displays. I think they're, um, uh, I guess it's like media day, not media day, but their training camp has launched up, I guess. And with that, Gabrielle Deck was in one of the graphics and this is kind of just like tinfoil hat stuff. Do I want to put stock in this? Absolutely not. This kind of just carries on to what we've heard uh, in the last 48 hours, but You know, I'm not sure if Charlie Brown Jr. was on there. Charlie Brown Jr., he's just as much on this team as Gabrielle Deck is. You know, in principle, they're on this team, but they're not guaranteed yet. So there's no money there. You could just say no to them, and there's no loss for you revenue-wise. So, I, you know, he was in that one. And then the big one comes from Twitter, and this comes from A.A. Quimza. Hopefully I said that correctly. And this also had to go through Google Translate, so I think it's correct. I've read it back a couple times. It just says, Quimza's family and all the people of Santiago accompany Gabrielle Deck in a new season in the NBA. Come on, Tortu. It's got this nice graphic here 
of Gabrielle Deck in a Thunder jersey. Have to plaster it over. Overlay of Quimza. Makes some sense here. And when you look at them, verified, it looks like they do have a pretty strong backing uh, out of, I think it's Argentina. So they do have a lot of different like organizations meshed in here. When you check their profile page, they do have some backing. Copa Argentina, Super 20, uh, just a lot of different leagues. So I'm assuming that this is just an association of athletes and you know they're looking out for their guy in Gabriel Deck. So it looks like he's doing pretty well here. If Gabriel Deck is going to be back, that does have roster implications and that does make things a little bit interesting because when you look at Gabriel Deck, it was not like he played bad. I think, um, you know, in his 10 games, he did have a couple breakout games, but also there were some bad apples that were tossed in there. For me, it's kind of the thing of, you know, he's almost 27. He's turning 27 by uh, February. So next season, he will hit 27 years old. But also on top of that, I mean, his play style is a little bit funky. And there are some other names still on the board. And I will go into those in a second here when I go down into the full-on roster evaluation. But just looking at Gabriel Deck, 27. This is a guy, he's not going to play at the 2 for you. He's going to be a 3 or a 4. And you check the 3 and the 4 situation, Lou Dort should have this locked down. And you can change this. I think it's interchangeable on how you want to, you know, play Josh Giddy. I have Josh Giddy as the second string small forward. And, you know, I have Teo as that starter. But it's interchangeable. I think you could put Josh Giddy in that first unit with Lou. But then also, in some smaller segments, he could run the three kind of as a point forward, maybe with Ty or Teo, maybe even Trey Mann as that second person next to him. But then you have Gabrielle Deck, and there's still other people in this running. You cannot forget about Kenny Hustle. You cannot forget about Isaiah Roby, Aaron Wiggins, and Josh Hall. Two-way guys, they might come up for some games and snipe some of those minutes away from Gabrielle Deck. So it's going to be brutal for him to get many minutes here. And my thought process is maybe this contract has, you know, maybe there's a, it's a little bit lucrative. I, I don't know because you did see minimal games from him. It wasn't like he was dropping 20 points a game. Man average splits of 8.4, 4, and 2.4. Um, but you know, this is a deal just like the Moses Brown one, just like the Lou Dort one. And this one is a little bit different because he's getting paid like 3.5 mil and such across the four. But I mean, if you want to take a decent risk on someone who's not going to really kill you uh, in the salary books for the next couple years, you can try with Gabrielle Deck. And for the Thunder, you know, his fee was too old, and I don't think he is, but if he's 23, 24 years old, Gabriel Deck about to turn 27, he's one of the older guys there, and he really doesn't have that much experience in the NBA. Now, when you check his career overseas, very prestigious, playing with Real Madrid, prior to that in Argentina, he was destroying everybody. I mean, he put the Liga ACB, uh, kind of flipped it upside down a little bit, as well that wasn't with um the argentinian league but still like he was very good he's been playing basketball since he was a teenager in these high level outlets uh but now with the nba i mean the minutes are going to be kind of futile for him the big thing is i don't really know how he translates to the nba floor and this was a great experiment from presti 
the thing that kind of does hurt a bit, he's not too quick on his feet, you know? And that'd be fine if we're talking a six foot nine, six foot ten guy. He's listed as six foot eight, but I've seen him as six foot six on some of these reports. So we don't really know. I think build wise, he doesn't really look the part of six foot eight. He did a great job uh, playing some stints of defense, but I think offensively, that's really where you need to look at what he's going to do for you. And he did post the numbers, you know, 8.4 points in 21.2 minutes. That's acceptable for me. And 47.8% overall from the field, that's also going to be acceptable. Thing that's not acceptable, dude shot 13.3% from three. That's what Charlie Brown Jr. was doing in the summer league, guys. And everybody was torching the man for that. He shot 1.5 attempts per game, hit 0.2 of those. So probably made like two or three over the course of the season. The thing is, this guy has one of the crispest set shots I've seen in the NBA. Definitely in a Thunder jersey has a crispest set shot. Like, this dude is not going anywhere higher than three inches off the floor when he takes his jumper. And it's not fast. So, you know, if he's wide open on the right wing and someone's having to close out from like an elbow... You could probably give a decent contest on him because he does need to charge it up. It's not like this fluid one motion shot. There are some hitches to this bad boy and it can hurt a little bit. And I'll say this, you know, we didn't have the, you know, right amount of shots. We can't really look at 13.3 and say that's what he's going to do next season. Because with Real Madrid, he was posting a three-point shot in the mid-30s, and that's pretty good. That's actually higher than what Lou Dort was doing, kind of gravitating toward the 33 and 34% range. Uh, but yeah, it is a, a difficult jumper to kind of get off. And, you know, with all these kind of hyperactive defenders where you're looking to switch all the time, looking to close out, and just people who have some pretty unique frames, it's going to be hard for him to garner any sort of consistency, I think, from three, uh, especially if he's trying to create shots for himself. And that's the thing. I think pull-up-wise, he kind of just throws this part of his game, like the set shot, to the side. He has a pretty normal-looking moving shot, and he can pull up from the top of the key. I'm confident in it. Free throw line, that's kind of his moneymaker. The one deal, though, is his post-game, and... You know, he was looking to size up guys around the basket. He's 232 pounds as listed on basketball reference. I'd probably say that's around what it was on the media reports. But he's looking to get down and dirty. And that's kind of a rarity among, you know, forwards in the NBA now. You're looking to be just straight up perimeter shooters. You're not looking to get some entry passes to work down low. But he was just fighting for it when he was playing in these games, man. And he was reaping some benefits. Whenever he gets put up against a point guard, I like his ability to kind of just move around in the post. He can get some post spins on, but even just the post turnaround is pretty clean from him. Um, you know, I think for a second unit, just like Moses Brown was like matchup nightmares, that starting unit Moses Brown is not going to be able to destroy Ennis Cantor. He's not going to be able to kill Jokic in terms of rebounding and second chances. But let's say, you know, you're putting up against putting him up against like the Taj Gibsons or just any random center you want to say in a second unit, he's probably just going to beat them through his athleticism alone. And I I guess you could probably say the post 
is the same that can be said with Gabrielle Deck. Like, you know, the multi-positional defenders you're going to find in a starting unit, they're going to lock down Gabrielle Deck everywhere because he's not fast enough. He doesn't really have the proper ball handling skills to get around you. But when you look at a second stringer, you're looking to get in the post. I think he can do some damage there and he even posted, I think, a 16-point performance uh, sprinkled in one of those 10 games. Underrated part of his game that I think everyone was hyping up before he came to the NBA was his passing ability. And in his debut against the Pelicans, he had a beautiful transition behind the back pass. No look as well. Had everyone off their seats on the Thunder, thunder side of things. Uh, and just in general, I mean, he's one of those people just like Poku, just like Josh Giddy now, where they can laser in some pretty ridiculous passes and he can do it, you know, in transition in a half court setting or, you know, a driving dish. This guy has eyes really everywhere and he's pretty smart when it comes to finding the correct man. So I think it's just like Svi where I, I would almost want to see him on a different team, not because I don't like him as a player. I just don't know how his career is going to get benefited by being with the Thunder. And maybe there will be ample opportunities with this team. But with so many young people on the roster and so many, particularly at the three and the four spot, I just don't know how it's going to work because I didn't even talk about the four spot. Poku and Bayes, they're going to be tooth and nail fighting. And maybe, you know, they want to run both of them together, four and five type of deal. But it's still going to be ruthless there. And then behind that, Roby, Jeremiah Robinson Earl too. I don't know if he's going to be playing five primarily, um, but then also even Kenny, if you want to put him there. So it's difficult to kind of sort the minutes. Uh, if he's going to be returning though, you know, I'm not going to be heartbroken. I do think there are some young guys that might fit this movement a little bit better. And I'll go into that now. So let's plug in Gabrielle Deck into the Thunder's new rotation. And this is just kind of me mocking stuff up. Don't put much stock into how I'm ordering these guys. But for first stringers, I'd say SGA, Teo, Lou, Baisley, and Favors. And if I had to adjust it, I definitely would. I have a different opinion. This is from, I think, a couple weeks ago. Anyways, though, that second string gives you Ty Jerome, Trey Mann, Josh Giddy, Poku, and Jeremiah Robinson Earl, while that third string gives you Kenrich Williams, Mike Muscala, Isaiah Roby, and now new addition, Gabrielle Deck. And then you have to add in the two two-way contracts and Aaron Wiggins and Josh Hall. So you're already done on the two-way contract side of things. And there are ways you can, you know, make acquisitions, upgrade contracts. You can actually just release two-way guys and add new ones in. I know that happened with Justin Patton, I believe, before. Um, but, you know, the main roster here, 14 out of 15 slots have been filled now. And I can already think of two or three guys who could be in contention for this thing. And it's going to be very uh, gut-wrenching, depending on who gets you know, who gets his final spot, of course. And the three contenders, I would say the front runner. I don't know if he's the front runner, guys. It's Charlie Brown Jr. And it's just because he's he was on the team. I mean, there was obvious interest from the conclusion of the summer league or from the G League uh, bubble that, 
you know, the Thunder did like him. I mean, they want to find these 3 and D wings, which is why it's scary to see if they want to take a flyer on him or what. But he was not all that uh, impressive in his Thunder games. I've been giving him the benefit of the doubt because of the situation. Not that favorable. Uh, Really, when one of your biggest parts of your game comes from defense, you know, they were not a very good defensive team. Offensively, it wasn't all that great either. The Summer League was kind of that clean slate here. I mean, this was even competition. And defensively, he was all right. He was solid. Um, But offensively, he was just too trigger happy. I think decision making wise, I was not impressed with how he was performing. Uh, But, you know, the Thunder, they're looking to give Gabrielle Deck a contract at 26. It doesn't make sense to give Charlie Brown Jr. minutes um, because of all the young guys, but he's 24. It's a possibility. Uh, And the guy that I'd want is Vit Krejci. And I've been talking about Vit since the draft last season. And I've been giving you updates throughout the course of the 2020-2021 season. Like he was in OKC working out since January. He was going to games. I think it was the Raptors game, actually. Brandon Rabar mentioned he signed into like the media sheet. He was sitting in the stands and he's been doing workouts like five in the morning, not to mention all the workouts he's had to deal with trying to rehab his torn ACL. And oh yeah, the Thunder, they had to buy out his contract from Zaragoza uh, to be able to sign him to a contract. And they have not done so to this point. Vic Crutchy, this is a 20 year old going on 21, six foot eight point guard who fits what the Thunder have been drafting the last two seasons. Poku, the seven-foot playmaker. Josh Giddy, the six-foot-eight, maybe even six-foot-nine playmaker. Now Vid Crutchy, this is a six-foot-eight playmaker. Just like Giddy, not going to kill you with his speed, but he is a very smart passer. When it comes to driving inside, he can get it done. He really likes absorbing contact around the basket. And then even from three, he was shooting mid-30s in some portions a little bit inconsistent but I do like the jumper of his so I think it just makes more sense even if you're not going to play the guy to put him on one of these rookie scale like four-year contracts where it's non-guaranteed over and over again and of course he's going to be restricted after that fourth season if he lasts that long I'd say you pick him up and just play him in the G League use him as your third two-way contract if you will and then you go past him I think the situation changes again because Jalen Horde is deserving of a contract, could have gotten a two-way deal, could have gotten a standard contract, and I would not have batten an eye. He did a great job with the Thunder, and he did a great job with the Blue. I think he's kind of surpassed this G League situation, though, because he was great playing with the Texas Legends, also was great playing for the Oklahoma City Blue. I'd almost look to him, if he doesn't get a contract in the NBA or a really lucrative training camp offer, I think the overseas leagues would be a great landing spot for him. Uh, He is a very damn solid. I think he was actually born in France, so could look over there potentially. He deserves to have a really good training camp offer though, and maybe the Thunder would want to give it to him. Maybe they give Vit, Horde, and Charlie Brown Jr. training camp deals and just let them fight for that final spot. Uh, I don't know if it'd really come to that, though. And when you look past the traditional guys, I've talked about Rob Edwards. I don't think it's going to happen. He's 24. Uh, Charlie Brown Jr. is 24, though. So it's like, you know, what where, what route are we going to go with this? 
Uh, but he's a really lethal shooter. 44% from distance with the blue. And as we saw in Vegas, he can hit the shot from just about anywhere. So if you're going to say Dex here, only have one spot. I'd be banking on Vit Kredge. Uh, that's the guy I would want. I think every kind of clue has pointed to him being the guy. Like, I don't think you're going to pay out Zaragoza millions of dollars or whatever undisclosed amount it was to get him off the deal uh, while also simultaneously, or I guess even before that, fostering him in the system through training and then inking him to a blue contract just so he would have uh, those options available in terms of like the staff and the medical department and such. But it's going to be interesting. We're going to get a lot more clarity as the weeks tick by. And hopefully there's going to be a lot more stories that will come through. Saw Taco Fall. He joined the Cleveland Cavaliers training camp roster. That would have been a really fun one just because we don't really have many uh, traditional centers, but we'll see. I think there's going to be some moves G League wise and also training camp wise that you guys will not want to miss. But other than that, though, guys, that is going to wrap up today's episode. I thank you all for listening and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.